The Athletic. Jared Bowen. It's Bowen, kept up by McCarthy. And the rebound, slammed home. Four miles, get into it. So far goes in low and steered home beautifully for a second for West Ham United and for that man, Pablo Fornals. They're on the back foot here. It's Declan Rice. Is that the perfect end to the perfect season? Hello and welcome to UIN's The West Ham Podcast from the good people at The Athletic with me, Sam Delaney, and Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. We are all going on a European tour. It happened. It actually happened. Since the last time we spoke, we beat West Brom, we beat Southampton, and the Hammers are going to Europe for the first time in a long time. I'm beside myself with excitement. How do you feel, Rashane? Absolutely buzzing, pal. Right now, I'm currently on ASOS, looking at some sunglasses, some flip-flops, <laughs> some quarter-length shorts. European tour, pal. European tour. Looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I love the reaction from the players after the game against Southampton. Everyone's just absolutely happy. I thought Mark Noble and David Moy spoke well in terms of, you know, get your passports ready, get your vaccinations. The summer is one to remember. So, for the season, rather, it's going to be one to remember. It's really, really exciting. I mean, in my lifetime supporting West Ham, we, we haven't really had anything that you could really credibly call a European campaign. I think I mentioned last time I went to the Intertoto Cup final in 1999. And then as a result of that, we qualified to what was then the UEFA Cup, got knocked out straight away by, uh, funny enough, I think it was Slavia Prague or Sparta Prague, one of the two, given our uh, big Czech connections now. And then... You know, since then there was the uh, the the two knockouts, two years running to uh, AstraZeneca, <laughs> and you know, and that's it. So in my whole lifetime, and in the eighties when we would have qualified, we were England's teams were of course banned. The fact that we're through and we've skipped the qualifier and we're guaranteed minimum six matches in Europe against decent opposition, so exciting, so exciting. When you look at the line up of clubs we could be facing it all becomes a reality now you know it becomes such a fantastic reality to know that we'll be up against some of the like most famous clubs in the world hopefully going to some fantastic stadiums to watch West Ham run out I mean it's it's a huge moment in West Ham's modern history for sure you know what Sam only two points off fourth only two points off fourth power so imagine, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm still grateful for the fact we're in the Europa League. I'm absolutely buzzing. But let's say Weissner get injured, 3 free draw against Arsenal. <laughs> you know I what know, I mean? But listen, I know. great achievement nonetheless. And you know, when I interviewed Kevin Nolan last Friday, and he was absolutely brilliant, like, great chat with him, uh, really good. He was saying, had Declan Rice not been injured, he reckons the club would have been in contention for Champions League for that game against Southampton. And I definitely agree well, with that. Well, at the end of the day, right, it's two points. I mean... We shouldn't do this to ourselves or our listeners, so we won't dwell on it. But we could go back through countless results in the season um, where we we should have won games that we drew or even won games that we lost. Real fine margins in, in some matches. I mean, even, even the game against Brighton, you know, where I felt we didn't really turn up, but we still could have really won it, you know, and, and, the, and there's... Countless other games like that. You're right. We threw away a 3-0 lead against Arsenal. 
it's it's it is frustrating to think about it. However, however, it would have been fantastic for us to have sort of hijacked the Champions League, but it would have been a hijacking. It was a bit of a freak season. Not, I'm not saying it was a freak season for West Ham. I think, you know, West Ham played fantastically well, and David Moyes and all the lads, uh, you know, should should be very proud of themselves for that. But I think, you know, the season as a whole, when you got Liverpool having the season they had, Spurs, the wheels totally came off. Arsenal, although they seem to be declining one year uh, every year at the moment, you still sort of think, is it going to happen? like that again, where a lot of those clubs who usually finish above us all have a bad season or bad luck like Liverpool had all at once. You know, I know Liverpool ended up making it, but you, you take the point. I sort of think it would have been a gate crash. For me, Europa League is, uh, you know, realistic. It's a good stepping stone for us. I hope that in a couple of years, we will be the sort of side who can start realistically aspiring to Champions League places on a regular basis. But I think it's fantastic that we've got this stepping stone. And, you know, listen, a couple of decent signings. I don't see why we couldn't have a decent run in, in that competition. You know, clubs smaller than us win it uh, every year um, and or, or certainly of our level. You know, I, I think back and think of that. I mean, we're going back a bit now when Roy Hodgson took Fulham all the way to a final and they came very close to winning it. Anything can happen in that competition. It'd be Absolutely marvellous. I don't I don't want West Ham to turn up. And I don't think we will with David Moyes' manager, because I don't think that's his mentality. I don't want us to be making up the numbers. I want us to have a proper crack at this contest. I think, you know, if we if we keep the squad that we've got and make a couple of additions, then we've got a decent chance. I definitely agree, and that's a good point. How long have we sort of craved for European football? Only to watch the likes of Tottenham, Fulham, even, you know, Arsenal, what have you, you know, just Enjoy European trips, and and now we have it. Let's not let's not let it go to waste. Like let's recruit well this summer, bringing personnel. Like, to be fair, this, this summer's all about squad depth. Obviously, you need to have players who have an impact straight away, but it's all about squad depth because we all know how thin the squad is. So that's going to be important. But listen, it's going to be brilliant. Like you mentioned earlier, that we shouldn't really dwell on the fact it's not Champions League. The way I'm looking at it, right, this season, you know, when you go to a buffet and you have your starter, and we have the main course. This season was the starter, and hopefully next season will be the main course. That's yeah. how I'm looking at it right now. We're going to have money to spend. Going back well, up. Good Sometimes good. I go back and have Go-on another then. starter before I even yeah. get on. <laughs> if it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, mate, I mean, I'm not sticking to the usual three-course rules. If that, if, yeah. I, if I only wanted that, then I wouldn't be at a buffet. I'd be at a, a, um, a la carte restaurant, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I personally speaking, I take the piss if I'm at an all-you-can-eat buffet. But anyway, that, that's besides the point. Um, it's going to be fantastic. It's really, really exciting. Um, should we talk a little bit about the performance against West Brom and Southampton? We haven't spoken since the West Brom game, have we? I mean, my my overview for what it's worth is I thought we were pretty poor against West Brom to the extent that when we were going into Southampton game, everyone was taking it for granted that we'd qualified. And I was thinking, I'm not so sure about that because Southampton, judging by their position in the table, are a better side than West Brom. I would say definitely got better better individuals than West Brom. And I thought we were very poor and could have easily lost against West Brom. So uh, I wasn't that confident. But of course, we played a lot better against Southampton than we did against West Brom and Jalbion. So all's well that ends well. What were your thoughts on two performances? You know, all right. Pr- prior to the uh, subject scoring that 
the header before half time. I had I had my team prepared, Sam, and I was gonna go in on the players. I was gonna be like, "What on earth are you guys playing? Like, look at what stick! And you wanna play like this? Like, come on!" I had it prepared, pal. I was gonna click send, and then obviously Soldier scores. I was like, "Thank God, thank God!" So that, that tweet will never live to see live to see the day the day. Well, however that however that phrase is goes. So yeah, like it was amazing. Um, I thought from that match, right, what really impressed me was key players stepping up. So Antonio played one in the second half and scored. I thought Four Niles was good in terms of his work ethic. Had a few chances, but he was, he was getting in the right spots. Lingard, I actually thought Lingard should have come off uh, as opposed yeah. to Ben Rama. Yeah, but, definitely. But, but listen, Moyes the manager. He, know, he knows what to do because obviously Lingard provided the assist for Antonio. So he, know, he knows what to do. We can, never, we can never judge him, as we always say. So I thought that performance, I, I was happy with the way we played in the second half. I thought we played a lot better. But Southampton... Wow, we 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 would look so nervous in the first what thirty minutes. I was thinking, bloody hell, like it could have easily been Team of Southampton in that thirty minutes. That's the amount of chances that we had. But I feel like once we started to get into our rhythm, the fans started singing, which I think helped a lot. You know, it really really motivated the players to just get into their gear again and, and start playing the way we've seen previously. Second half, team played well, and four hours. Listen. If Ronald plays like that every week, right, there's no reason why he can't score 10 goals next season or at least double figures. Obviously, prior to the match, he announced to the world that his partner is pregnant. I think he should do that every week. Every week, Ronald should announce to the world his partner is pregnant. Not possible. He can't, he can't be getting yeah. pregnant. <laughs> I mean, he, she's pregnant now, as I understand it, and I'm no doctor. He won't be able to get her pregnant while she's pregnant. You can't get someone double <laughs> pregnant. Or can you? If you're, we have any doctors or obstetricians listening, then get in touch and let us know. Mate, mate you could do it on Sims. You could do it on Sims, pal. You know what <laughs> can I mean? you really? That's <laughs> yeah, interesting to know. Um, yeah, so he just before he scored his first goal, I said to my son, he he missed the chance, right? And the thing about Paul Nails is, I think he must get more opportunities than any other player in our team. Right, so he's doing something, right? Because as the cliche goes, he's getting himself in the right positions. I mean, the amount of times he makes the right run into the box and he's on the end of cutbacks and so on is phenomenal. I said, he cannot finish, he cannot shoot. I said, this guy, you, can get, you give him 10 chances, he might get one in 10. I said, if I was David Moyes, I would own, there's not many areas of four nails needs to work on in his games. Everything else, his passing, his tackling, his work rate, all fantastic. What he needs to do is only practice shooting. Shooting first time when he receives the ball in or around the box. Anyway, I'm banging on to my nine-year-old son about this and he's looking at me thinking, what are you on about, you boring old bastard? <laughs> and before I've even finished the thought, bang, he scored the first, right? Then... What felt like moments later, bang, he scored the second. My son is giving me absolutely merciless portions of abuse. <laughs> he's going, can't shoot, can't score. He's just scored twice. Um, <laughs> so I was made to eat my words there and I was happy that I did. Um, because it is true. I think that he, he should have been approaching double figures for the season. If you compare it to the amount of chance he's had. But clearly, he's going to improve on that. He must have been working on it because they were two really neat finishes. And uh, I think that he's one of the many reasons I can look at this team now and think, this team is only going to get better. A couple of additions. And there are so many players, Four Nails and Ben Rama being two that we've mentioned many times. Obviously, Rice and Suchik, forget how young those two are, but they're nowhere near their peak yet. Um, Kufau and Bowen. 
these are all players who are going to uh, get better and better. They're going to, I think that we can expect them all to be even better next year than they have been this year. So it's really, really exciting. Like, like I said, last time we finished that high in the Premier League back in the late 90s under Harry Redknapp, I talked about it last week. There was there was a lot of kind of veterans. I mean, we did have youngsters. We had the class of Joe Cole and Frank Lampard and so on. But, you know, there was a lot of old fellas as well who were near in the end of their career and we benefited from their experience. But, you know, looking back, you wonder whether they had the same appetite and hunger as the younger players. I think there's great balance in this team and this squad uh, between experience and that young hunger as well, isn't there? I agree. And it's the young hunger that's really, you know, helped West Ham reach this sort of new level that David Moyes has been going about on a weekly basis in the press conference, provide that team of energy, a team that fans can be proud of. And just uh, responding to your earlier answer on four nows, that's what we want. We want to see four nows do that. Like, I really wanted him to score a hat-trick because it yeah. would have been a great way to end the season. Obviously, he yeah. didn't get it, but still, it's a performance that fans could be like, you know what? That was great. If you do that next season, oh, we'll love, we'll, we love you as much as it is already. We'll love you even more next season. And if I'm four nows, right, I'm cancelling my summer holiday and I'm buying a net of football and I'm shooting in my garden for like the whole of summer. Yeah, That's all I'm absolutely. doing if I'm four nows. That's all I'm doing. But you know what? No, right? he wants to guy. hang a tyre from a tree. Yeah. Hang a tyre from a tree, right? <laughs> Get back 20 yards and just keep trying to shoot through the tyre. Great practice, that. Hey, any young lads listening, get yourself a tyre, mate. So not only is Sam giving you guys advice on mattress and hotels, he's also giving Co- coaching advice. masterclasses. You know, you know what I mean, pal. But I'll just say there's one player I'm really looking forward to next season, and that's Bowen, because he scored eight goals in the league, right? And mm. if we're really being like truthful, he's he's been alright, but there's definitely another level to his game. Definitely, think, yeah. And eight had, goals, considering that he hasn't been a regular starter either. Exactly. And had Bowen been more consistent, I'm of the opinion he would have been in contention for the England squad. Like, yeah. I have that much faith in him. So I think he's going to reach another level for, for West Ham next season. I know they say the cliche thing, it feels like a new signing, but I definitely feel mm. that applied to Bowen for next season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. Um, it is really a fantastic... I mean, we've said this throughout the season, and I think there was obviously, certainly over the last month or so, after all of our optimism and the positivity that we've managed to maintain on this podcast throughout the season, I think even you and I, was starting to get a bit anxious that it could all end up with nothing. And although there still would have been a huge amount of great memories to have taken from all the, the great performances in the season, if we had finished seven, four, eight, or lower, it still would have been disappointing because you would have looked back in the history books and thought that doesn't quite reflect what the, the, the good times and the adventures we had that year. And so I think sixth is a, is a really fantastic because it's a, a fitting reminder of what a brilliant year it's been. And it's just really fantastic to, to look ahead to what could happen next in Europe, in the league. Fancy us for a cup run next season. Um, bring us up to date on some news. I mean, I'm sure the most important piece of news, way beyond any player transfers, that every West Ham fan wants to know is, is David Moyes signing a new contract anytime soon, because that is the most important thing for our future right now. For sure. And David was asked about this last week in his press conference, and he said he's hopeful something will be announced this week. I'm hearing something should be announced. That sh- it should be this week, to be fair. And uh, we're hearing it would be potentially a three-year deal for David Moyes. 
Right. I spoke to Kevin Nolan last Friday. He was saying in the final stages of, of negotiations for the contract. So everything's pretty much all but confirmed, really. So that's great news for the club, great news for the fans. When you think of West Ham right now, it's great finishing Europe, great young players getting a chance, it's great recruiting well, but right now the club needs stability. That's what the club needs. And we have that stability since, what, someone has in charge? So that's what West Ham need right now. And yeah, happy days, really, because... Last Friday, because last Friday was the first time we saw David Moyes in over a year because the press conference was in person at the stadium. Right. So he just looked, he looked so happy, Sam, like so happy. Like, ah, oh, I don't even know what I could think. You know, like when someone comes out of a bad breakup and he just looks, they just they have a different aura about them. Yeah. That's how David looked. He just had a different aura about him. Star keeps saying he's got his mojo back and, I, and we could see it in person, not just, all, not yeah. just on Zoom. So, yeah, he was, he was in top form, had a great chat. Yeah, so hopefully a deal will, well, hopefully it will be announced this week uh, regarding David Moyes signing a new contract. It, it gives me so much sort of confidence as well, David Moyes, because you feel that like he is now back to the standard he achieved when he was at Everton, when he was rightly regarded as like, you know, one of the brightest managers in the game. And I feel that he's, you know, if anything, he, he could be better than that because, of course, he's more experienced now. And the other thing that we know about him is, He's so clearly a hard worker. You know, he's not someone who's going to let this success get carried away. He's not going to get carried away with this success. He's not going to think, oh, well, mission accomplished and rest on his laurels. You know, you know, he's the sort of bloke who's going to be grafting all summer long to get things ready for next season to push on. It won't be enough for him to think, well, we overachieved, you know, because he's got that mentality. It's quite clear. We've seen it all season got that mentality he's instilled it in the playing squad and it's really exciting I thought it was interesting by the way um we're going to get on to the announcement of the England squad in a moment but um Declan Rice is in it spoiler alert I don't think that's really surprised <laughs> anyone um interesting in your Kevin Nolan piece which people can read on the athletic what he said about Declan Rice no surprises that he rates him highly but he really went to town he said that you know he should be being rated even more highly than the likes of Foden, Grealish and the other superstars that get talked about. I agree. And you know what, right? Because obviously we're doing the interviews, asking about Lingard, Thomas Socek. When I asked him about Declan Rice, he just looked so happy. It was like he was waiting for me to talk about Declan Rice because he just he was preparing notes. He's like, yep, this is what I'm going to say about Declan Rice. Like, he was just yeah. so happy when we spoke about Declan Rice. And if I had more time with him, we definitely uh, I definitely would have asked him more questions on Rice. But when he made that point... I sort of said to him, like, thank you, Kevin, because us West Ham fans, we know Rice is the real deal. We know he's the real deal, but for every reason, whenever someone comes out and says, oh, Rice is better than, I don't know, Jordan Henderson or Calvin Phillips, like, not what are you talking about? He's overrated. He's not good enough. Yeah. And now you've got someone like Kevin Owen, who's worked here for the best part of a year now, seen his, strength, seen his weakness and has said he reckons he'll have an important, more of an important role to play than Phil Folded, Mason Mount, Jack Grealish. I definitely agree with him because... We think of England right now, we've got so many attacking players, but we can't say the same about defensive players in terms of the same calibre as Rice. You've got Jordan Henderson, who, in my opinion, shouldn't be in the squad because he's not fit. You've got Calvin Phillips, injury doubts, and we all know Rice put him to bed in that last match we played against... against I mean, he's not as experienced either. He's had one season in the Premier League. I know there's a lot of chat that compares the two players, but... Obviously, we rate Declan Rice as, as the better player. Obviously, we've seen Rice outplay him in two fixtures this season. But also, if you just look at the basic experience of the two, 
Rice has played a hell of a lot of Premier League games and has been in the England squad for a couple of years now, whereas Calvin Phillips is quite new to it all. I mean, whether or not he goes with the squad to the Euros, I don't know. But certainly, I, I don't think he can possibly be in, in contention up against Rice for a, for a starting position. With the amount of attacking players England have got, you kind of envisage, you know, it's like when France had Deschamps or Brazil had Dunga or Gilberto Silva. Sometimes you just got to stick one legendary holding midfielder or like when France had McAlealy, you just stick a legendary holding midfielder who can do the job of two or three men and then just let everyone else attack. Well, if ever there was a man for that job, that's Declan Rice. Because I think it undersells Declan Rice a little bit thinking he was just a defensive midfielder or a holding midfielder because I think he can actually be a, a real all-rounder. If he reminds me of anyone, he reminds me of Brian Robson in his heyday in the 80s. But he can sort of do anything. So if you've got the likes of Foden and Grealish and, um, you know, Rashford and all these other fantastic attacking players, Sterling, and you just want to let them do their thing. I think you just say, to if, if I'm Gareth Southgate, go to De- Declan Rice, right, you sit there in front of the back four and just, and just make sure there's no gaps behind all of our attacking players and we'll just keep possession so the other team aren't going to, the opposition aren't going to get a chance anyway. That, for me, is England's big chance of success. Is to just so go true, with yeah. it and, and, and rely on Declan Rice as the anchor. So true. And we'll touch later on in terms of who's our how many year, who's impressed the most this season. But you know what really impressed me about Rice's progress? Look at that goal he scored against Southampton. Yeah. That driving run he made. Mm. I don't think he would have done that last season, you know? No. I don't is think he would have scored that, a goal that, like that last those, season. Those driving runs are something that he's really noticeably added to his game. And he's superb at them. In fact, I saw a stat that he'd completed... He had a higher completion rate than the most midfielders in the league. And people don't associate him with that sort of play. But he's got, I wouldn't say, he, he, he doesn't really use tricks, although who knows, he might have that in his locker. What he does is he gets the ball and he's got this turn of pace where he just strides with his with, with it at his feet and he accelerates. And because of his size and strength, people just don't get near them, near him. He just goes past them. And uh, I had a feeling one of these days it was going to end in a goal. I mean, there was, can't remember what game it was earlier in the season where he nearly scored one like that, but it was an even longer run. Against Tottenham, I believe. I think it was against Tottenham, wasn't it? And it was, it Tottenham was, like, whatever, yeah. it, it would have been like a, you know, it was going to be a worldie if he'd finished it off. So, you know, that's just another thing that we're going to see. I think each year, if he stays with us, let's hope so. I think each year you'll see a new element to his game. I think in about three years, this guy's going to be absolutely unplayable. Absolutely That's unplayable. He's 22 and he's this good already. 22, Sam, he's this good already. Imagine what he'll be when he's like 28, when he's in his prime, he knows his position well, he's more of a box-to-box midfielder. Oh, it's, it's just crazy the thing, to think. The, the thing about him is, it's the way he plays with such a huge amount of confidence that impresses me. Do you know what I mean? He's got such a huge amount of confidence. Like, you know, he always wants the ball. And he he always, always wants the ball and he's always got the confidence to to do the right thing with it. He never wants to get rid of it when he receives it. He doesn't want, he's not one of those players who just looks for an easy pass, right? He will run out of danger. He will throw in that last ditch tackle or block. You know, he will look for the imaginative forward pass. I mean, for, at that age, that's what's incredible. As you go on and you think he's the most dominant and confident bloke. He is the alpha male on any football pitch. That's what I think about him. You know, 
goes out on the pitch and is the main man, not just in our team, but on the whole pitch, I think. And it's such a huge advantage. I mean, you know, this is like, you're going back to Billy Bonds last time we had a bloke like that. And, and Declan Rice is probably more technically gifted than Billy Bonds as well. Um, anything else worth mentioning about the England squad, which was announced the provisional England squad for the Euros, the long list was announced just before we started recording this afternoon. Well, before we get into who uh, Ross was was named the squad, I'm going to mention someone who perhaps would have been named the squad if I uh, like three or four years younger, and that's Aaron Cresswell. Yeah. If Aaron Cresswell was a tad bit younger, he would have been in that squad because with eight assists, which is more than Ben Chill or Luke Shaw, I think he's had a better season than them. He definitely deserves to be in that squad because he's, I think, 31 and memory serves me well. That's the reason why he's not in the squad. So that, I want to say that, but well-deserved for Jesse Lingard to be in the squad. When Jesse Lingard arrived at uh, West Ham, I spoke to Rennie Monestine and Lee Clark. Rennie, Lee Clark managed him at Birmingham City. Rennie Monestine in the youth team at Man United. Both said, this guy will get England squad. I put wow. it in a piece. People are like, what on earth are they smoking? No way yeah. is Lingard getting in the squad. What are they talking about, Rashane? You're just, what are you writing, mate? He's not going to get in the squad. Yeah. And lo and behold, he's in the provisional England squad. And in my opinion, he'll make the final cut. And it's just great to see because after the match against uh, Southampton, I asked David Moyes if he's hopeful that Lingard will stay. And he said he's hopeful he'll stay, but I actually thought he had a better response in that he said, I look at Lingard right now and I think West Ham has been good for him. I just wonder, like, the impact he's had here, would he have had it at another club? Like, would another club have treated him the way someone like a Norburn Rice have gone out of their way to make him feel settled? The fact that the club has been great in terms of him, in terms of allowing him to have time off to see his daughter, who lives mm. in uh, who lives in the north side of London. Yeah, Manchester yeah. side of London. I'm oh, sorry, Manchester side of the country. Right. Like, stuff like that the club have done to help him feel settled. And obviously, we've seen it on the pitch. People say he's great behind the scenes in terms of his personality. We've seen it with the synchronised celebration, the 2-1 win over Tottenham. Yeah. We saw it again in Southampton, the celebration done with Declan Rice. Like, this guy is so popular. And I think, listen, we don't know yet in terms of what happened with Jesse Lingard's future. We hope he will stay. Formal talks haven't taken place yet, but Jesse will look back on this Lawrence Bar and be like, wow, this club have really helped me out. Like, we've seen a rebirth of Jesse Lingard. He's back in the England squad. That wasn't the case early in the season. So, it's been great to see and well-deserved, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I hope he stays. I get the strong sense that he wants to stay and that David Moyes wants him to stay, and so do the players. So I guess now it's kind of down to Manchester United. It's down to United whether or not they're prepared to, to let him stay with us. But, you know, it's not, it's, it's not the hardest decision for them to make, given that he's only got a year left on his contract. So if he says that I want to go to West Ham, their, their option is to say, no, we want you to stay. And then he doesn't sign a contract. They lose him for free to either us or someone else next summer anyway. You know, they're going to have to do a lot. I don't know what they can possibly offer him to agree to stay at his age when, you know, this is this is his last chance for a proper big money transfer, right? And that he knows that United's best player by a mile, really, plays in the same position as him, Fernandez. You know, so it's not like they can really, with any legitimacy, Solskjaer can't turn around to Lingard and say, look, stay here, I'll build the team around you, which is what Moyes is saying. You know, he's saying you're going to be our main man going forward. You're going to be our main attacking fulcrum of the team. Lingard is never, it's not just Fernandez. It's like, you know, there's Greenwood, there's Rashford, there's Pogba. There's so many different players 
who are vying to be the main man in that side. It would be madness for him to stay there, really. So I think it's going to happen because also, as well, I can't really see another club coming in for him. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, people are going to see what a fantastic player he was in the second half of the season. I'm not saying he's not attractive to other clubs, but if you look at his age, you sort of think the sort of the only clubs that could really have a big chance of nicking him from under our noses would be clubs that were in the Champions League, right? So you're looking at Chelsea, Liverpool. I don't see Chelsea or Liverpool or City going for Jesse Lingard. I don't think it's the sort of player that they'd be interested in at this stage. You know, they'll probably be looking for younger players, club players from the continent. So I think it's. I think we've got a free run at, Je- at Jesse Lingard. I hope we do. I hope we do. Well, I'm hopeful. I'm um, hopeful, and, and it would be very nice to see him and Tammy Abrams join the uh, join the squad for next season. I mean. The more I read, the more I believe what you've already said is that um, Tammy Abrams is David Moyes' number one target for this summer. It's only really a question of whether we can afford him or whether Chelsea are going to be willing to let him go on a season-long loan. What do you reckon? Well, I want to say it's definitely the priority to sign a striker, whether it's Tammy Abraham, whether it's Adam Holsek, whether it's Angela Simmer, sign a striker who could score at least 20 goals a season is definitely the priority. Obviously, Antonio's done a great job up front, but he's not really about sort of our not striker. He's more of a false nine, if you want to if you want to call it that. So, yeah, definitely still the priority for for, for David Moyes. In actual fact, last week when we saw him, I asked him, "Listen, like we all know, I'm gonna get a striker, but what about a goalkeeper? Like that was a priority. You got Lucas Fabianski, who's thirty. David Martin, who's thirty, like to be released. You got Dyer Randolph, who's thirty. Like, sure, you want to bring in a younger goalkeeper. He said, you know, that could come into the thinking as well. Didn't want to give him much away, but." Said it could come to the thinking, so there's a number of positions that West Ham need to strengthen in order to replicate this season. So it's good, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, and also, bearing in mind, if someone does one the Euros, that also comes into equation as well. So mm. there's a lot of a uh, lot of it's lot good, of factors. It's, it's going to be tough because clearly we have a very small squad, and you need a particularly big squad to do well in the Europa League. And so you sort of think in an ordinary season, we'd be looking for minimum two. That would be a striker plus maybe a backup in defence or in goal. But I would say that really, unless he's got, he's really got the will to to give some of our youngsters more of an opportunity next season, you know, maybe, maybe even if it's just in the league and FA Cup competitions to take some pressure off that, you know, the the the, the older players. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Hello listeners, sorry to interrupt your show, but we've got a small favour to ask. We're currently doing a bit of a survey to find out more about you, your podcast listening habits and the sort of adverts that are most relevant to you. If you feel like helping, please head to surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. That's pretty catchy, so I'll say it one more time. Surveymonkey.com slash r slash athletic audio UK. Thank you. I would say that towards the end of the season, I felt a little bit more assured about central midfield when I began to realise that Lanzini still had something in him in a more deep-lying role and that Fornaus can really operate in any position in midfield, really, and do a very good job there. So I think you're right. We do need one more. I've not seen Connor Coventry play. I hear lots of great reports about him, but I've not seen him play myself. I'd, I'd love to think we'd all rather see a youth team player come through and, and be the real deal so uh, than, than buy someone. So I'd like to think it was Connor Coventry. That said, you can't help it towards the end of a season like this, start thinking like a vulture and looking at the clubs who've gone down. So I'm looking at like West Brom. And obviously I'm thinking, well, if Lingard doesn't stay, we've got to go for Pereira, right? Um, who, who looks a little bit like a, slightly like if you bought Dimitri Payet, but off of Wish, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but but that'll do because of wish Dimitri Pyre is still a bloody good player. Let's be honest, right? Um, and there was a lad who played for them called Gallagher, who I think they've got on loan from Chelsea. Yeah, who was first, yeah, he was first to every bloody ball. He was a nightmare. He was everywhere, that lad, right? So I like the look of him. I like the look of him a lot. Um, and then also I was looking at Armstrong in mid field for Southampton and thinking according to a lot of Southampton fans who I've, who I've read reviewing this season he's their best player the other thing I like about Southampton is they always sell their players every summer so I, I always think you've got to have a good long hard look at Southampton's squad because they're always up for a sale and also the really interesting one at Southampton for us is the fact that Bertrand is on a free and if you think that we need support down that left side for if Chris Wells out or Masuaku's out, I don't think Johnson is someone who we should be playing at left back or left wing back next season. I think he belongs on the other side of the pitch. So Bertrand's got to be someone that if we're looking to wheel and deal and he's available on free, bloke has got a few England caps under his belt. He's got to be someone we're looking at, right? Yeah, well, I, I've no info yet in terms of whether the rest I'm actually looking at here, but definitely would be a good signing for free for sure. Someone who's mm. got a lot of experience in the Champions League winner as well. That's, that, that will come in handy in wow, terms yeah. of experience in the, in the Jesse room. So for sure. And again, that just ties into Moyes' whole thing of maybe doing a bit of wheeling, dealing. But it would, great, it would be great in terms of personnel because that's one area of the pitch I haven't got to spend a lot of money on. I mean, a left-back with the options of Crestwell, Masuaka and Virtuan, I think that's really good in my opinion. I'll, I'll take that all day long. Yeah, and definitely. I feel like young players like Connor Coventry, Meepo, Ben Johnson, I feel like they should go out on loan next season. Definitely Meepo because there's been so many matches where I feel like Meepo should have come for at least the last five or ten minutes. Maybe not five, maybe not ten rather. Maybe the last five minutes should come on just to see what he can do. But that hasn't been the case. His last appearance has been at FA Cup defeat at Man United. So Conor Coventry, I like him a lot. I'm not sure why Moyes hasn't been playing him. I feel like this guy leads by example. So I wonder if you'll just be like, you know what, let me just go somewhere else and spread my wings and fly away because... This, this weekend will be the League One playoff final between Lincoln and Blackpool and the former youth team player, Anthony Scully. He'll be involved in that match. 
he, he's a young player. He's like, you know what? I'm not getting a chance at West Ham. I'm going to go to a, another club and see what I can do. Having a great season, that could end in promotion. So there's that. And there's one thing as well, pal. Money that could get recouped from selling players. So I'm thinking of Alandria Malenko. I'm thinking of uh, uh, Felipe Anderson. I've been told as it stands, there's been no decision that's been made on, on Felipe Anderson's future. But if he does get sold, that's money that's freed up for wages. Yarmolenko, another high earner. That money gets freed I, up for I wages. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to pay money for, for those players because they're on such big wages. And neither of them have done very well. I mean, you know, they've both had moments of brilliance, but neither of them have done enough to really warrant on those kind of wages any kind of transfer fee in the, in, in the current market. I can't see anyone shelling out for them and then paying 100 grand plus a week. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to, I think the, the best thing for the club to do would be to let them go on freeze and then like, like you say, just free up the wages. In terms of sellable assets in the team, it's really hard to see who we've got that you could make any kind of profit on other than possibly Diop. But with Balbuena going now on a free, I, d- I think it'd have to be a very decent offer for us to let go of, of Diop now, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. And as we touched on numerous times in the pod, our only frustration with Diop is a defending. Like, he's a great threat in terms of set pieces. He's good in the air, can score goals, just defending. Like, stop good on the, the ball. ball. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's decent on the ball, but he will have lapses in concentration. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. And in terms of West Ham right now and how the, where the club want to get to, we can't afford to have that right now. There's mistakes. Like, you've got, you've got to push on right now. You can't, you can't keep regressing each season. You've got, you, you, that's why I think the club should look to get a younger defender in. Just to provide competition, Diop Dawson and Bonner. As I touched on before, Dawson is in his 30s. Bonner's in his 30s. We can't rely on Memphis to be doing it week in, week out every season. Overall, they have been putting in for the past season. Go get someone younger. It's a bit more energy. It'd be great to see us go for um, this Ben White at Brighton, who's just been selected. Bit of a surprise selection for the for the Euros. Um, really, you know, obviously did great at Leeds on loan. Had a great season with Brighton. Very, very good defender, decent on the ball. And you sort of think, we're in Europe now and Brighton are a small club. But I, I look at Brighton, like I said about Southampton, as one of those clubs who their best players are gettable. Yeah. They are yeah, gettable, aren't they? You know so, what, Sam? You, you know what? I feel, I feel a bit down, you know, because I'm looking at Tomori and his long spot, AC Milan. And I was thinking, if we had just accepted us, if he does come yeah. to West Ham, who knows what he could have done here and who knows what that could have meant in terms of him joining us in the permanent, you know what I mean? Because he's nah, completely... Nah, but, yeah, first of all, he's playing AC Milan and let's be honest, Serie A these days, it's like bloody <laughs> Mickey Mouse League, mate. Right? That's the first thing. Right? And uh, the, sec- the second thing is, is that that was Moyes not rolling out the red carpet for him. Moyes, and some people criticised Moyes at the time for this because it, in the transfer window last summer, when everyone was losing their shit about Deanne Garner and everything else. like, And it'll happen again this season. Everyone goes absolutely ape shit during the transfer window, right? There will be people, you will see it, let's say it now, there will be people within a few weeks who are slagging off Moyes, right? They'll have forgotten what he's done. And it'll be because we haven't managed to pull off a signing of some bloke that no one had heard of five minutes ago, but that everyone's become obsessed with and someone will blame Moyes for it. And, you know, that's just, it's, it's silly season. But that Tamori, I remember what happened is that we, we Sullivan arranged for him to come over and it was on, on deadline. 
And we were all thinking that we were desperate for a centre-back. And uh, Moyes, he said, well, what, what am I going to get if I come here? Because I'm not guaranteed to start in place at Chelsea. What am I going to get here? And David Moyes said quite rightly, well, you're not guaranteed to start in place here either. You'll be in the squad like anyone else. And if you work hard, then you'll get a chance. And the bloke was like, nah, don't fancy it. Right. And it's like in Moyes, we trust, mate. In Moyes, we trust. If he didn't fancy coming to fight for his place, if he thought because he was a Chelsea player that he deserved to walk into the first team at West Ham, then he was wrong. And in fact, everyone at the time was going, oh, well, I've got Craig Dawson for he's rubbish, including us, of course. Craig Dawson, got to give him, you know, he, he had, he, he started out just beyond brilliant. Like we couldn't even compute in our minds how good Craig Dawson was. He did have a little bit of a rocky spell, but I felt in the last couple of games, he was back to his best again. You know, so I'm delighted to have him. Speaking of which, mate, I think it's time we went through our end of season awards. What do you reckon? We need, uh, well, when producer Joel edits this, he should put some theme music in. With this, yeah. part of the, uh, with this part of the pod. And trumpet music. How do you want to do yep. this? Should we take it one one each at a time? Shall I take us through the list? Yeah, go on. All right. So here yeah. we are, the official UIN's end of season awards. Uh, we're going to kick off with Shane with best signing. Go on, you go first on this one. For best signing, this is a hard one. This really is a hard one. But when I think of this question in terms of best signing, I look at like impact, the player they had, the impact, you know, the impact having their teammates, just what they brought to their team. And obviously, Solchak comes to mind, but I'm saying Safal. I'm saying Safal, pal, because this guy, what a machine he is, absolute machine. His teammates call him RoboCop, and I can see why. Just relentless, works hard. He's really bought into that, you know, that West Ham way. As I mentioned previously, the type of person that goes to training on his day off, it's reached the point where the, where the people, where the staff at West Ham are like, bloody hell, bloody, why are you here, Vlad? Go home with your wife. Like, spend some time yeah. with the kids. Like, why are you here? Right. But listen. In a way, I'm worried about his marriage. <laughs> but we'll do a separate side pod over the summer about that, in which we'll, we'll assess where we think each of the players' marriages are at yeah, no. and what we could do. To help them, yeah, and we could do that while we're, while we're sipping on some cocktails, pal, at, at the parts yeah. lives of Gatwick. But yeah, so <laughs> definitely, so far for me, all about yourself. Uh, best signing for me, it's I mean, God, it must be the toughest ever season for saying what the best signing is because we've had so many good ones. I want to say Lingard because Lingard came in and made such an I, I don't think I've ever seen a signing make such a, um, a massive and immediate impact, right. He came in when we were doing decent. And like I said last week, it could have been that we started to slope off a bit in the second part of the season. But he came in and turbo boosted us. I think his first game was against Villa, was it? Was it Villa or yep. Palace? I can't Villa, yeah, Villa. He scored twice on his debut. Correct. And from, from that point, right through until really early April, he didn't stop. I've never seen a signing have such impact. So uh, I, I hear what you're saying about Kufau and Suchet, but in terms of that kind of immediate injection of a boost to the team, I have never seen anyone um, anyone do it like Jesse Lingard in this season or any season. And not just West Ham, for almost anyone. you know. And I think because he tailed off towards the end of the, to end of the season just a little bit, it's almost like we could forget about it. But... 
he is the if we finish shit, we we wouldn't we can talk about oh we could have finished fourth if this or that had happened. Make no mistake, we wouldn't have finished sixth without Jesse Lingard joining us in the in the winter transfer window. So I'm going for him. Uh, right, player of the season, mate. Again, another tough one. Another tough one. Like more recently, this has sort of been easy. There's always been a front runner. I put our poll. I think a week ago now in terms of like West Ham fans who deserve to be having the year and it was a close one between Safal, uh, Safal, Rice and Solcek and as mm. I reflect on this season it's again it's a tough one but I'm going with Solcek I'm going with Solcek for right. player of the season because my thing with Solcek is I feel like there's another level to his game I feel like there's another level to his game Sam like this guy is a machine similar to, similar to Saval and what I like most about Solcek's development is we had no idea who was before he joined West Ham. None of us had a clue who Thomas Solchek was and look what he's gone on to achieve. Ten league goals. I remember you and I on an early episode of You Irons when yeah. we literally first started and yeah. it, he was just about to sign and we were talking about it and you were doing a bit of research into who he was and what style of play he was. But really, we didn't have a clue, yeah. did we? Didn't have a clue, pal. All we knew is that similar height to Mal Fellaini. That's all we knew, pal. But what he's gone on to achieve yeah. has been incredible. My mind goes back to the winning goal we scored against Everton on New Year's Day. My mind goes back to that, that win against Tottenham where it was just so funny the way he ran over to Vadim as a foul to make sure his best friend yeah. wasn't hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, good moments like that during the season and obviously the, the like, rocking the baby celebration that Everton win as well. Like, just, mm. just I can tell you the sort of person you, you bring somewhere and, like, he has an impact on everyone else. He rubs everyone else, like, up, up, up the right way and... As I mentioned with uh, Safar in terms of him coming to training ground his day off, the same thing with Thomas Solcek. When, when Mark Noble was on that podcast with Peter Crouch, he said they have they play head tennis. They're both playing head tennis with each other. Like we're just so yeah. dedicated and so on it. So for me, it's Solcek. What about yourself? They're loving it. They're just loving being here. And I'll I'll follow up your choice of Sujek. I said, well, first of all, I would say you know honourable mentions. You said that there was like it was between Rice, Sujek, and Kufal on your poll. And I think throughout other times of the season, I think, you know, people, we we talked for about, you know, it could have been Aaron Cresswell. Aaron Cresswell has had such an amazing season, playing in two different positions throughout the season. Um, maybe even three, might have even played left wing back in some games. Um, I think that he was great. For me, until he got injured, Ogbonna was going to be my uh, player of the season all the way until he got that injury in whenever it was, February or March. And uh, and and he came back and was back to his brilliant best last couple of weeks as well. But I, I don't think we can give it to him because he missed such a big chunk of the season. I'm actually going to give it to Supal uh, because I look at all the players and all of I mean, so many of them. I would say there was eight players who had a legitimate shout. Lingard's another one. Antonio's another one. You know, a legitimate shout for player of the season. The reason I'm giving it to Supal, though, is really simple. is that he hasn't had a bad game. He has not had a bad game. And I would say even Declan Rice has had maybe two games where I felt that maybe he was a bit leggy, a little bit knackered, and he's never terrible. Of course not. But I saw him have a couple of games where he fell below his usual high standard, right, at various times, especially for early to the first two games of the season, both which we lost, right? I felt he's not quite at it yet. Soufal arrived at West Ham, I believe, on a Friday. He made his debut the next day on a Saturday. He was pretty much man of the match. Can't remember who the game was, but he was absolutely superb, right? And from then on, this bloke was an eight and a half out of 10 minimum every single game. And I think that what he's also done is he raised the bar for the rest of the team. 
because the way in which he plays in every game, how he doesn't give an inch to the opposition, he never switches off for even half a second. I think that's very inspirational to the rest of the team. I think that he's the only, I think he's a model of consistency. Suchek, you, you know, Suchek's great, your player of the season. But Suchek, when Rice was out of the team, wasn't quite as good. Supal, brilliant every single game. Never seen such a consistent performance. So he gets the nod from me. But you're right, never been a harder season. You'd have to, you, you could go back probably further than 1986 when I think Tony Cotty won player of the season. And, uh, but it was only ever going to really be between him and McAvenny. You know, but this year it could have been seven or eight. And, and Sam, very quickly before we go to the next part, right? When I think of so far, my mind goes back to how he reacted after that defeat against Man City, how he was so distraught. And again, after the loss against yeah. Everton, he was so distraught again. Like, winning means so much to him. So it's good to have people like that in the squad. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman and I'm here to tell you what The Athletic has planned across its podcast network during the Euros. My pod with David Ornstein will become The Athletic's England show throughout the tournament to bring you all the latest news and insight from inside the England camp every single day. Then we'll also have nightly editions of the Totally Football Show, taking a look at all the big talking points from the competition and looking ahead to the next day's fixtures. Now, if you're feeling nostalgic for tournaments past, we've produced an eight-part documentary series that tells some fascinating stories from both on and off the pitch from the last eight Euros. Elsewhere... Michael Cox's Zonal Marking Pod will offer an in-depth tactical breakdown of all the biggest games, while Adam Hurry's Football Clichés show will take a look at the tournament's alternative storylines. So, as this never-ending domestic season finally draws to a close, we'll have plenty of Euro 2020 coverage for you to enjoy as the tournament gets underway in just a couple of weeks' time. Game of the season? Oh, this is very easy. This is an easy one. An easy one. And you know what, right? This is a time where clubs were only accepting one um, reporter per outlet. So I couldn't get accreditation for this game, which is so annoying looking back now. So as we all know, right, 3-0 down to, to Tottenham inside, what, 16 minutes, I think it is. So I'm thinking, bloody hell, like, it's going to be 5-0 here or 7-0 here. Yeah. I remember interviewing yeah. Seth Myers. And he was saying he switched off. <laughs> he switched off from the game yeah. when it was like 3-0 done. Like, and I imagine a lot of West Ham fans do because they're thinking, oh, bloody hell, like, yeah. it's just going to end. It's going to go tits up here pretty much. So, long story short, we, we come back in the second half now. It's 3-2, you're thinking, come on, guys, just get the goal. Get the goal, you know you can do it. And what happens, Lanzini scores and we all go apeshit. All of us go apeshit and we all go absolutely... You know what, right? I haven't said this for a fact. So when Lanzini scored that goal, I lost all composure, Sam. I started shouting, screaming, and you like you you picture it, part. I was going, yeah. I was yeah. going crazy. It reached a point where my neighbour knocked to the door to ask if everything's okay because she was concerned. Just thinking, I don't hear screaming from this <laughs> house. I don't hear screaming Brain. from this house. What's Brain. going on here? So yeah, that's my that's that's the game of the season for me. The free free draw against Tottenham. Great game, amazing memory. Um, but uh, because so much because the first twenty minutes of that game was nothing but sheer pain and agony. I can't quite give it. Uh, again, 
there has never been a season in my memory of going to West Ham that has had so many great games, so many great performances in it. So it, you're spoiled for choice. But just to be different, I you know what? I think I'm going to say that game that we mentioned earlier, which was Lingard's debut against Aston Villa near the start of this year, because we played fantastically well. Lingard sort of exploded into our side, and I sort of thought, wow, this could be a bit of a game changer for us. We could really, I think. We were already 4 4 fifth going into that game. I thought we could really push on it. Um, but also memorable for my man Sue Fowl's uh, job that he did on um, Jack Greenish, <laughs> yeah. who was on fire. Going into that game, I think he'd been called by several people, maybe even David Moyes, the best player in the Premier League. And I think had he not picked up an injury, he may well have won player of the season. But it, that was, he was at his real peak then. And Soufal absolutely owned him that night. <laughs> and that was just another fantastic subplot. The memes that followed, like Soufal taking baby Jack Grealish out for a walk in his pushchair and Soufal appearing in Jack Grealish's wing, uh, rearview mirror in the car all the time. All of that stuff. Absolutely loved it. So, yeah, I mean, sport for choice again, but I think that was a great night. Uh, goal of the season. Well, that, of course, is... Probably the easiest one of all, isn't it? Well, you know what, actually? This isn't easy, to be fair. I don't, I, I'm going to go for Lanzini, but I must say, honourable mentions for Lingard's goal against Arsenal and a great goal against mm. Wolverhampton because they were brilliant goals. But it's got to be Ling- it's got to be Lanzini. Mm. Like, that goal. And you know what's so crazy, right? Sky were doing this poll on, on goal of seasons. I didn't see Lanzini's goal in the nomination. I think I'm one of you guys smoking over here. Like, this is this yeah, goal is yeah. incredible. So, yeah, definitely yeah. Lanzini's goal. It's just easy. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll go for Lanzini as well. I, I think, you know, I could live for another 50, 100 years supporting West Ham. I don't think that there'd be many goals that could happen that would be as memorable as that. Because, of course, it was dramatic. Of course, we now know it was effectively the goal that got us into the Europa League. Because if he'd not equalised, we wouldn't have beaten Tottenham to Europa League qualification. So, uh, its significance is immense. But take all that away from it and just look at it as a goal, right? Standalone, even if it had been a meaningless goal, right? It was still a sensational finish. A first-time half volley, right, in the last minute of the game from that range is an absolute, objectively, stone-cold classic goal. I was like you. I absolutely lost my shit. I don't think I've ever celebrated a goal like it. Not in the house. I might have done it at the ground, but not in the house. Me and my son went absolutely... Absolutely bizarre, and I think I was. Still, I think I'm still buzzing off it now, yeah. just thinking about it. Yeah. I was going to say it took me about 48 hours to come down, but I don't think I've come down yet. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I remember the podcast brilliant. we recorded after. We were just both like sort of lost for words in terms of what happened. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. So it's got to be that, and I'd be very surprised if many West Ham fans disagreed. Uh, most improved player, mate. This one's four nails for me. I feel like he's improved in terms of his work. Great. Uh, in his first season, I feel like it was good, but he sort of struggled in the fact that prior to Moyes taking over, Pellegrini would play him left wing, right wing, centre, centre like number 10. Centre, like, it, just, it just seemed like he was all over the place. And then Moyes came in, sort of had a bit of structure. And this season in particular, we've sort of really seen him like thrive in terms of the energy he brings to the team. I think he's, well, as I just mentioned, he's the, en- he's the engine of his team. When he's not in the team, you just realise how much we miss him. And as we touched on earlier, the one part of his game we need to improve on is the offensive side, but Besides that, I've seen so much improvement in Four Niles in terms of his confidence. I mentioned in my love letter piece, Four Niles is that song you skip on shuffle 
you listen to it one day and you're like, you know what, this song's really good. And that is one else because we really appreciate it now. So that's exactly it, mate. That is a great analogy. I know you love a uh, you love an analogy, right? And that is one of the best because that's exactly it. One of those ones that's so easy to overlook, and then suddenly it just hits you like you almost listen to it by accident because <laughs> you're in the car and you can't quite reach the thing. You're in the motorway, you can't forward it. Even fuck it, I'll listen yeah. to it. And they're like, bam, it's a classic. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to say Aaron Cresswell because he, uh, you know, we were desperate for a left back. Summer transfer window, we were desperate for a left back. Me and you were going, oh, he's got to sign Rico Henry from Brentford. All these different left backs were being mentioned. One of the many mad things that happened, we were furious that he hadn't been able to sign a left back. We thought, I can't believe we're going into another season with Cresswell there. Cresswell is clearly way past his best. He wasn't just a season past his best. I felt he was two or three seasons past his best because it had been that long since he first got into the England squad, one hammer a year, I think, in his first year. He came back this year and that was, I would say, his strongest ever season in a West Ham shirt where many people had written him off for good. Um, uh, absolutely brilliant. Could have been a shout for Hammer of the season. Was just as good at centre-back as he was at left-back. He got the assists as well. We um, And one of the reasons that we were set-piece kings of the Premier League, scored more goals than anyone else from set-piece in the Premier League, was because of his deliveries, which were sensational consistently throughout the year. So, Aaron Cresswell for me. And uh, last one, biggest surprise. The last one. And you know what, Sam, before we wrap up, right, right now, I, I sit here like like a proud teacher and his parents even, right? And I'm telling the parents of my student, here's why your child has been excellent all term. Here's why your child has got an A star. Here's why they aced all the exams. This is how I feel right now, because this is what I've been seeing for West Ham over the past nine months. And when it comes to the biggest surprise, I'm, I'm putting I'm putting Cresswell for this because I didn't envision Cresswell having a season. I really didn't. I thought, yeah. I thought Cresswell was one of the players who should have been sold last summer. I, I thought he struggled. A lot last season, and I thought that was pretty much the end for him at West Ham. So he's completely transformed it. He's got eight assists this season. The most he's managed in a, se- in a season, which is just brilliant. As I touched on earlier, I was of the opinion that had he been younger, it would have been the England squad. Like, this is this is where this yeah. guy's taking it to. He's been amazing. And, I've, and I must give praise to Stuart Pearce because I feel like he's had an impact on on, on uh, Cresswell in terms of how he's getting his balls in the cross, how he's just brilliant in terms of his delivery. Whenever Cresswell's on set pieces, right, Quite often, like, you're thinking this could be a goal here. This could be a goal here. Yeah. Like, how often have we yeah. said that? Quite often, before it was Snodgrass, who was sort of great in terms of set piece delivery, but now it's Cresswell and, and you're confident it's going to end in a goal. Mm. So, definitely, Cresswell's been the biggest surprise. I'm happy for him. And long may his form continue. Yeah, absolutely. Chuffed to bits for Aaron Cresswell. Great bloke as well, by the sounds of things. Um, my biggest surprise, apart from obviously the biggest surprise, is the fact that we finished sixth because. I mean, that is utter madness. No one saw that coming. Remember when we lost 2-0 to Newcastle first day of the season? <laughs> but, and then I think we followed that. Uh, there was another defeat straight after that. You know what, Sam? I want to say, right, after that match, right, I asked David, right, David Moyes, do you reckon West Ham will be involved in another relegation fight? That's the first question I asked David after wow. that defeat. So, you know what I mean? That's how bad that performance was. But that pissed him off, didn't it? You know what? It didn't, to be fair. It did it. He gave a good. He said, "You know what? Like, I'm still hopeful that we'll compete. We competing higher up the table. I thought we have a good squad. So yeah, he, he didn't give me the sort of Alex Ferguson hairdryer treatment." Mm. Uh, well, that the biggest surprise is that. But if we're going to look at a, a, a sort of a, a a player, then for me, it's got to be Craig Dawson. 
Craig Dawson, we thought, was just a desperate signing by a club who had tried and failed to sign pretty much every other decent centre-back in Europe, right? Uh, we'd spent the whole summer chasing Tarkovsky from uh, Burnley. Then we'd tried all these other fellas and, and they were kept this persistent rumour we might go for Craig Dawson if we can't get anyone else. Oh, we're only getting Craig Dawson because he's a Will Salthouse player. We're only getting Craig Dawson because he's on a free. Watford fans hate Craig Dawson. In fact, we even spoke to someone who works at The Athletic just prior to going on air after the Dawson signing to get, a, who's a Watford fan, to get the Watford fans' perspective. And we were half hoping that he'd say, do you know what? Dawson's actually a good player. He just didn't have a chance. But he said, no, he's rubbish. <laughs> he told us he was rubbish. And we thought, oh, no, this is just a classic West Ham disaster signing. Sheer desperation. The bloke at times, are you coined the phrase Virgil van Dawson, right? At times, this bloke, I mean, yeah, he had some dodgy games later in the season. He scored a couple of own goals. But he was on a little run between January and March where he was, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, I thought he was the best centre-back in England. And I thought, again, if it wasn't for his age, he would be in Gareth Southgate's squad at that point. I've never been so surprised. I mean, I said Lingard was the sign of the season. I agree with that, right? But in terms of the surprise impact, can't be Craig Dawson. I mean, he was a write-off and he's, he's absolutely smashed it. And I hope he carries on playing like that next season. I'm just delighted. I think we've got our new James Collins and I'm delighted that we're going to have him in the squad. And even if he doesn't continue to be first choice next to Bonner, I'm just delighted to have him there. Just what a great play. He's the sort of bloke that if you do have an injury at centre-back and he has to come off the bench or he has to start a few games, you're never going to be nervous. You're always going to think, great, Dawson's got things under control. For sure. And yeah, as you touched on, it's been brilliant. And yeah, long may it continue. And you know what, Sam, I want to say before we wrap up, pal, it's been an absolute pleasure doing this pod with you over the past, what, nine months or so. Definitely enjoyed it. Like, receive a nice comments. I, I get the nice DMs. Like, I really appreciate it, everyone. Like, you guys have been so supportive. Next season, me and Sam will be drunk doing his podcast because we'll be sipping cocktails on a beach somewhere in Europe. But besides that, do you appreciate it? Oh, yeah. We're going on a European tour now. Just make sure, I've said this to you before, right? Get onto the top brass at the Athletic, right? And make sure that I um, <laughs> counted in on any of these like European tickets, the flights, the match tickets, all of that stuff. I'm going to leave you in charge of that because I want to say to you and listeners, Rashane's right, everyone. It has been a massive honour for Rashane to work with me on this podcast. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a massive honour for both of us um, to be doing this. I, I, I mean, what a laugh just getting to tune in and chat to you every week about West Ham. It's been brilliant, mate. And what a season to be doing it in. Eh? We picked our timing perfectly. And who knows, hopefully next season we'll do a couple of these face-to-face, mate. For sure. So I can see a beautiful face again, pal, in person. Yeah, absolutely, because I don't feel that I'm lit sufficiently uh, when we're looking at each other on Zoom like this. Mate, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honour to work with you and to follow West Ham this season. Um, See everyone at the stadium next year, I hope. Uh, We're all going on a European tour. Have a fantastic summer, everyone. Keep the faith. Come on, you irons. And remember, ladies and gents, there's only one. Summer 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 The Athletic.